Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. It's only been a month and a bit, but uh, hey, better late than never. Welcome to the Orlando Soccer Show. My name is Austin David, here with Gavin Eubank. And a lot has happened in the last month, but if you're following Orlando City, you probably know everything that has happened, including Orlando making the playoffs for the first time ever. And there was much rejoicing. It's exciting times. Everyone get excited. Get to play NYCFC. It is, you know... We we talk about the unprecedented times a lot because the times are truly unprecedented. But we are sitting here in the middle of November. The Major League Soccer regular season has come to a close. And for once, Orlando's key, Orlando as a team, are not booking tea times and getting ready to go to Disneyland and do all the things. I mean, they could be, but... They still have actual real soccer games to play, and that—that's exciting. Oh yeah, this is historic. I, I like legitimately as I was walking out of the press conference with like Julia, Mike, and and all the rest of the media folk. I was like, wait, this is weird. Usually when we're walking out of here, we're like, oh, until next season, we'll, we'll see. Uh, you know, see you in a couple months when the preseason starts. And now it's like, wait, no, there's more. There's more that we can do. There's more games to be played. We're going to be back here in two weeks' time for a meaningful knockout round game for the first time at this stadium. I think that's the best part about it, too, is that Orlando City is not only going to get a chance to play postseason soccer. They get to do it at home, at Exploria Stadium in front of, four, I mean, it, albeit four to 5,000 fans, but it's that's what you built this stadium for. That's what they spent a lot of money Four is to be able to put on big games there, and a lot of big games have happened at Explorer, and albeit Orlando City has not taken place in many of them, but this is this is what this building was built to do, and hopefully the people that get to witness it, the people that will be there, get to experience history happening. And, and it's, it's a, a very on-brand thing for this year. It's that something that has never happened before has happened. But this time in a good way. So uh, I'll take that. In the in the year that has been 2020, I will take any and all good things that come our way. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm excited. The city of Orlando should be excited. Orlando City finally gets to utilize a playoff marketing tool <laughs> that they've been sitting on. Like, have you seen some of the stuff that they've they've started putting out in terms of marketing the playoff push? I I have seen this this light it purple campaign. Um, light the city purple. That, that is the latest thing. So, cool. uh, are they sending the out game, these light bulbs? What, what's going on with that? At the game, they were selling them at the uh, the den. From what I understand, they weren't like all that expensive. But also, you can go buy a purple light bulb at Lowe's say, or yeah. whatever. Like it, it doesn't make much of a difference in the grand scheme of things, but. I've seen a lot of people that have bought the purple light bulbs and have you, you know, put them at their house in front, trying to, to light the city purple, essentially. It wasn't just the light the city purple thing. You know, that was that was its own thing. Before the game, the final game of the season, they put out that video with Mike Rome, like where he was narrating the entire thing. And their playoff like hashtag essentially is hustle and hunger, mm-hmm. which uh, if any 
Orlando sports fan has been around since the early 2000s, there was the heart and hustle from the Orlando Magic back in the day. And, um, you know, when I saw the hustle and hunger, I'm like, hmm, that's kind of like a nod to that. But then also the the hunger with the Lions and the, you know, tying everything together kind of thing. So, like, I, I appreciated that hashtag in general. But also the video was just a very good way of kind of tying in the whole journey that they've made to get here. And I appreciated the fact that they kind of mentioned, like, this is for everybody. Kind of like your article a couple weeks or, you know, a month ago now when they made the playoffs said, like, this is for everybody that has gone through this team. I was kind of bummed that they didn't make any mention of USL, but mm-hmm. I knew that was going That's to happen. par for the course, unfortunately. Yeah. It is what it, it is at this point. But, you know, they, they made notes of, of different people that have come along the way with this team. No, no you know, physical mentions of names of players or anything, but in general, this is for everybody. So, I, I, you know, it was a good job for the club to, to put that together. Yeah, so if you go to the Orlando City website, the very top story across the front is uh, takes you to the mobile store, or it, you can go to the mobile store, and it looks like if you buy one of these City ID patches, uh, light it up patch, mm-hmm. it says the first 80 fans will receive a commemorative light bulb, purple. Um, 80 is an odd number, and I don't know if this still applies, as if 80 people have bought it, but that's what the website currently says. So, if you would gotcha. like to buy a purple thing, and but it's yeah, on sale. I mean, it's on sale for for ten dollars. Yeah, you know, going going off your point, when you you know, we're here at this historic moment, and it's only for most clubs, it's not a big deal. I mean, my Inter Miami and Nashville made the postseason in their very first year. But for Orlando City, this is a big deal. Like, there has been so many ups and downs to get to this point. And like you said, the kind of nod to history, I would have loved, like you, to see it kind of be more expansive. I wish the club did not kill off its past. You know, the whole built, not bought, you know, Orlando City's playing a team where one of the chances is going to be, you know, from fans is going to be you have no history. But at the same time, Orlando City, the club, considers itself born at the same day that NYCFC was. So it's, you know, there's these contradicting um, viewpoints on Orlando City's history here. And it it's all relative to to what has gotten Orlando City to this point. But, you know, I get it. It's a new era and, you know, what happened in the past is the past, but it's this should be a part of the story, not the story, right? Of, of Orlando City, it is. It is a long story for Orlando. You know, 2011 to 2014 was the ground that built the club. There is no stadium without the USL. There is no MLS team without the USL, uh, and there are no trophies in the office without the USL. And I've seen, you know, some people like when they argue like oh well your club doesn't have any trophies people will take pictures of the usl trophies including people from the club to say yeah we have trophies so it's it's a mixed message when you say that but then also don't recognize the people that got you to this point Mm. granted it's just making the playoffs it is the bare minimum at this point nothing has been accomplished nothing real has been accomplished this is an mls accomplishment 
If you if you really want to stop and think about it, it is an MLS accomplishment only. If they win MLS Cup, different story. That is a more momentous occasion that you need to celebrate the entire history of the club that got you to that point. But just making the playoffs for the first time in five years, that that should be the bare minimum at, that, at this point. And, and Oscar Pereja has very much hit that one home with everybody. Like, yeah, we made the playoffs. Now we got to finish the job. This is the start. Yeah, I mean, that's been the message from this team since they clinched is, yeah, we're here but we have no intention of letting this be it, you know, or the, the players and coaching staff, they don't want to stop until they are left standing on that stage. And the, I don't know if the trophy has a name to it, but the MLS cup is in their hands, you know, until Nani is raising it above all else. That is the ultimate goal. Yes, this is nice. And people can finally, you know, they can, they've got the monkey off their back. People can finally stop saying Orlando city, you haven't made the playoffs in six seasons. Well, they're here. Now it's finishing the job and then obviously continuing it beyond this season. Right. And I was mentioning this the other day to people. If Orlando City does, in fact, make it all the way to the MLS Cup and on the West side, any other team other than Sporting Kansas City makes it, Orlando's hosting that final. I was going to say, if they had beaten Nashville, that would have guaranteed them over any western conference team i believe mm-hmm. so, yeah which you know the result doesn't really have a, f- a big impact but that result certainly did have some more impact down the road than people might have realized yep all right so uh i want to talk about this last game and then we'll talk about just kind of a wrap-up of like the season in general a little bit mm-hmm. and then i want to talk about you know, can Orlando City actually do this thing by making the playoffs and then going forward and continuing on with this momentum? However, the momentum was a bit skewed after this weekend because huh, Nashville decided to ruin the party mm-hmm. uh, or Orlando City decided to ruin their own party. It d- depends on how you look at it, really. Let's start with the good. Big DK energy for Daryl DK. Scored his eighth goal of the season. Uh, we were talking about it before we started recording. DK, eight goals, four assists in 17 games. That's 12 goal contributions in 17 games. Kyle Lahren, he had 17 goals in 27 games with zero assists. So 12 goal contributions in 17 games for DK. 27 games, 17 goal contributions in general for Kyle Lahren his first year. And considering this was a very different year, I mean, the production is is very comparable, if not better for yeah, DK. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about 11 less games to even have this opportunity. Not yeah. to mention, DK didn't start playing until consistently until, what, the later stages of MLS is back? The first game back into the MLS restart when they played Miami. He started. Well, yeah, he started that game, but like he, so he, he wasn't played, a fixture in his... Orlando's lineup until those stages when Perea started to introduce him really into the lineup. Right, but he made that was his first ever MLS appearance because the MLS is back tournament knockout round right, games those don't count. Were, they did not count exactly. So he made a substitute appearance and subsequent substitute appearances in the MLS is back tournament games, uh, starting with Montreal and then ending with the final but those didn't count towards his general appearance. 
So even if he had scored in that, they wouldn't have counted to the 12 goal contributions that are actually, you know, from him in this league. Much like Kyle Lahren scoring in the U.S. Open Cup didn't count towards his goal contributions in 2015 or his goals that he scored in friendlies or anything like that. We're strictly talking about MLS. Mm-hmm. And considering that DK also only he started all but two games that he played for Orlando City this season. And it's it's hilarious because preseason, go back go back to like February when Brad Newton and I were talking. And we were talking about like who's gonna be the breakout star for Orlando City? Brad's like it's going to be Daryl DK. He's going to come out and show, and he's going to be the rookie of the year. And, I, and at the time, I was like, well, you know, like they've got a, a huge depth in striker. They've got Tesha. They got Dom. Like he's at this point third on the roster. Like, how is he going to find playing time? And then, of course, the stars aligned for young Daryl DK to be the starter for Orlando City. Tesho gets hurt. Dom's out for the year. No other strikers on the roster. In comes Daryl DK, and he scores three goals in his first two games, starting. Like, you can't write a better script than that. And then from then on, he has been incredible. You know, not even just the eight goals. He's had the great hold-up play. He's had the assists to go with the goals, so he's not just scoring, but he's also impacting the offense overall. His runs have gotten better. He's able to body off defenders and hold up play for runs down the wings. He's able to do it himself. You know, that that run that he made, it was against Atlanta. He made that run in the 34th minute where he took it from midfield, ran through the entire Uh, defense, laid it off for Tesho to finish, but they called the foul back. Okay, yeah. Like That was one of those moments where everybody was like, wow, this, this kid can literally do it all. Yeah. Like he was just body, he was bodying off defenders, like doing ball rolls past defenders, and like his touch was good, and his speed is good. Like the kid is a star in the making, if not a star already. You know, it doesn't take much to get people excited about young, potentially American connected players to play for the national team. And DK is not only driving that fanfare; he's driving actual analyzed thoughtful comparison you know connections to the national team from people that actually follow the national team and kind of you listen to and they say hey this guy should probably play for the national team i don't know that it's going to happen anytime soon it could happen in the january camp if he decides to play um if they call him up that soon but he's he's gaining some attention not just locally and within you know the teams that follow orlando city but nationally as well and that says a lot about his emergence and just not just his emergence to to scoring goals for Orlando City but like you've said his all-around game shows so much to you know he's he's young and he's new and he's obviously has some some edges to smooth out but he's a lot closer than most people are at his age yeah you know it was it was crazy Chris Mueller for the talk of Chris Mueller he's probably closer to reaching that than Mueller yeah it's kind of crazy where um, his expected goals, or sorry, his goals per 90 minutes was at 0.57, which means he scored a goal every 159 minutes. It's not bad. Not. <laughs> it's not at all. That's top 25 in the league, at the very least. 
that is the kind of goals per 90 minute that you pay people a lot of money to achieve for you. Put it to you this way. Uh, Chris Mueller, 0.52 goals per 90 minutes, scored a goal every 174 minutes that he played, which means Daryl DK's conversion rate was better than Chris Mueller's, who led the team in goals. If Dom Dwyer was capable of scoring goals at that rate, he would be much more liked in Orlando right now. You know, at one point in his career, he was there. Is he there now? I don't think so. Oh, obviously he was there. Not with Orlando. Uh, his he was first, there. When he was traded to Orlando, 2017, he had he still had it. 2018 and 2019, it went down, and then 2020, he got hurt. Yeah. But it's just been a progressive, like, downhill kind of slope for him. Mm-hmm. But we've talked about DK quite a bit here. I want to talk about Chris Mueller since I brought him up. The fact that he has scored 10 goals this season. Right? I, I, and I just want to mention this here. Chris Mueller is top 10 in goals in MLS. Right? He is actually technically tied for sixth in goals in MLS with 10 tied with Jordan Morris and Christian Pavon and Pavon had three penalties. If you take away the penalties from all the other players, because Chris Mueller is the only one in the top 10 other than Jordan Morris, who did not take a penalty to contribute to his 10 goals. Not, not even that his assists. He had seven assists. Right? Mm-hmm. He's top 15. He's actually 14th in assists. Technically, I think he's tied for 10th. Yeah, he's tied for 10th with seven assists. I have been beating this drum on, on online a lot, and I'm, I'm not going to make an argument that Chris Mueller is the most valuable player in the league because he's probably not Pozuelo other guys are ahead of him in that category but the fact that he was not nominated was. I don't want to diminish the contribution that Mauricio Pereira has had to Orlando City because he is obviously the make or break guy for this team also by the way Mauricio Pereira fifth in assists in MLS young player of the year like he had so just 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 to point this out real quick Mauricio Pereira had eight assists in just over 1,100 minutes played. Out of the top five, that is the least amount of minutes played with the most assists. Players who nominated? These were nominated by the clubs. Am I wrong? I don't know, actually. I think think that's how it normally works is that the clubs nominate these players. Because if Orlando City didn't nominate their own guy, what the hell? Mauricio you know what's Pereira, even funnier so, is for all the talk that Andrea or Antonio Carlos has garnered for being one of the better defenders in the league this year, he wasn't even nominated as one of Orlando's two top defenders. Jansen and Huan. Which yeah. would you Is Huan that great of a defender that he deserves to be a nominee for defender no, of the year? But he is an offensive threat and <laughs> Offense is always rewarded compared to defense. It doesn't matter how good of a defender you are. If you have like six assists and a goal as a defender, you're getting nominated for defender of the year. 
Carlos was nominated for newcomer of the year. He's not winning that, unfortunately. Tesho for Tesho for uh, humanitarian of the year. I don't think he's winning that either. There have been a, a lot more uh, humanitarians, I would say. <laughs> there have been bigger impacts this year. Not to diminish what Tesho has done, but just like in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. I would say Chris Mueller still, I'd say still Chris Mueller. I would say he has a shot, if not a very good shot, of making best 11 at the very least. Mm -hmm. I think he has deserved that, considering he is one of the best in both goals and assists. It doesn't, there's nothing that says who nominated these club, these players, but I do, but I believe that in the past the clubs have been the one to nominate because I think even when Orlando City was really bad in like 2018 and they still had to nominate someone for MVP it was like all right come on you really doing that or they had to like nominate James O'Connor as like coach I think every coach is nominated yeah everybody's on that list but the awards will be determined by votes from current players clubs which is coaches, technical directors, slash GMs, and then select media members representing local and national outlets who consistently covered the teams. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Nani had that run at MLS's back where he was really good, but can you... I don't think I can make an argument that he's been better than Chris Mueller since. Nani's uh, goals per 90 minutes are point four zero which means he scores a goal every 223 minutes. His assists are 0.25 per 90 minutes, which means he has an assist every 357 minutes. He has a total of eight goals and five assists. How is that compared to Mueller's? Are they worse? Yes. Okay. I mean, Chris Mueller scores a goal every 0.52 per 90 minutes and assists at 0.31. That's a shame. Oh, what were now, we again, talking about? Eight goals and five assists is nothing to sniff at. No, no, no. Right? Like, he, he mean, scored as many as, as a group. This is, that would have been one of Orlando's best, that would have been Orlando's like best player over recent years. So, yeah, it's it's pretty good. Yeah. It's only overshadowed because of how much better some of the other guys around him have been. It's crazy, though, because Nani has played in, in almost all 23 games this season and he has only one more assist than Daryl DK that's weird isn't it though I think the way that Orlando City plays comparative to the ways that they've played in the past that that striker especially someone like DK who's a big guy he can battle off people and then let others around him find those spaces really suits him well. So I could see why that might be the case where you can Actually, play sorry, the ball. Into I'm him. wrong. I don't know why I said Nani had eight goals. He has six. Yeah. Oh, well now he's shit. Now he's had a bad year. <laughs> six goals, five assists. That's 11 goal contributions. That's third on the team in goals. And I believe also third on the team in assists. You know, so I when, wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's bad. No, I would just I think, say it's it's like you know, 
not as good as last year, but he was so relied upon last year. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the fact that there are te- there are multiple goal scorers with six goals or more on this team speaks to how distributed the offense is. I was last year, say- Nani had 12 goals, and there was nobody close to him. This year, Chris Mueller has 10, DK 8, Nani 6, Benji 5, Junior Urso had 3, Tesho 3, Mauricio 2, Antonio Carlos 1, Mateus Ayas had one and that's it yeah I mean it's it really does speak to how much better this team is this year because I mean even when you look at Nani at his career in Europe he's not he wasn't the guy at Manchester United he's not the guy when he plays for Portugal you know he is someone that is there that is a a contributing player that stands above most players that does a lot of good things for your team but like you said last year he had to be the guy and when you're putting all of your eggs in that basket, you're not going to be a very successful team. But this year, because Orlando has so many more pieces, because Pereira has been able to achieve what people were hoping that he would achieve because Chris Mueller took that next step up and has become somebody who's constantly in the spotlight and in the national team talk and Daryl DK's emergence on the scene. And even Tesho Akindali, I mean, was somebody that was relied upon heavily last year and has been able to do. And he was a double-digit goal scorer last year too, right? And that that Orlando has all those players now. Let's Nani. It frees up his, you know, the pressure on him, the weight on him to be someone that has to take the ball on and go against six defenders and score goals. He can, he can do that if he wants. But now Orlando can be successful without it. And it, I would think, at least mentally, that has to be more of a relief to him, knowing I don't have to be the one that, that carries this team because I have a lot of other good players around me now. Yeah. And just to mention, last year, four of the five top goal scorers for this team are still with the team. Uh, the fifth being Dom Dwyer. He's out. Do you want to know who the sixth top goal scorer was for this team last year? Will Johnson. No. The six tops. He's still on the team? Technically. Technically still on the team. Shoot. You're not going to get it. It's Santiago Patino. He is six. He got loaned out, didn't he? He's in Mexico. Yeah, that's why I said he's still technically on the team. Because he's still under contract. Yeah, well, he's not with the team. Yeah. (laughs) I mean... I mean that that was the Poor other thing. Santiago, like, but you know, at the same time, I guess it's good that we don't have to think about him. <laughs> right. He actually had the most. He had the highest goals per ninety minute uh, of any player last year, and he only scored two goals, mm-hmm. and that was good for sixth. This year, the sixth highest goal scorer has three goals, and that's with having played ten, eleven less games. And this is also without really having to factor in Ayas and Alvarado because they've barely been here. They've barely been here, but also, you know, Orlando hasn't desperately needed them like some would have imagined earlier in the year. Right. Uh, Alvarado has played a total of 25 minutes, and Mateus Ayas has played a total of 18. Yeah. And just fine, you know, work them in, don't rush them. Do they could be big factors in the playoffs, who knows? They could be the playoffs, which begin when, Austin? They begin, technically, Friday, November 20th with the play-in rounds. Though, I want to ask you about this. Do the play-in rounds 
do they still count as making the playoffs? Yeah, because like it's like in baseball with the wild card. You only play yeah. one game, but you're still in the playoffs. But like the Western Conference doesn't have that. Well, that's because well, the same number of teams make the playoffs in the East Conference as far as uh, to how many they have. Because there's more teams. There's in the eight. East. Well, I know, but there's eight teams that make it in the West, and ten teams that make it in the East. And then four teams are still missing it from each side, right? Right. And yeah. I like I, I get that, but like, I don't know because this this is a very different year, for for all intensive purposes. So it, the question is, you know, it, are the play-in games still making the playoffs if you are out in the first round? Yeah, because then you're not in the top eight. You're not playing like because it's a whole separate round. It's like the play-in round, you know. No, I I mean you're still in the playoffs. Like I said, it's no different than wild card teams in football and baseball making it. You, but that's from both conferences. That one play-in game, but you're still considered a playoff team. But again, that's from both conferences. This is just the Eastern Conference. This is special circumstances. Yeah, which will never happen again. Well, if you. If you make one of the play-in games for the NCAA tournament, you still made the tournament, right? Yeah, the first four. Yeah. It's again, it's just not like even between conferences. That's the only reason. Yeah, I, I mean, I get, I get what you're saying. I think, for argument of purposes, you know, Miami and Nashville are still going to call themselves playoffs teams. Of course. Which you're still, is, I mean, you're, you're play, this funny. is a playoff game. You're, it's a playoff game. Just decides right. it's winner. It's winner go, go home. Bracket. I, yeah. yeah, so yeah, Nashville and Miami, the two expansion teams, get to face off with each other in Nashville on the twentieth. That's a nine o'clock kick, and the New England and Montreal play each other at six thirty in New England. That will be to decide who plays um, Toronto or Philadelphia on Tuesday that next week. Meanwhile, Orlando plays NYCFC. For a noon kickoff on Saturday the 21st. There are a multitude of games on the 22nd. Including uh, Sporting Kansas City, San Jose, Minnesota, Colorado, Portland FC, Dallas. It'll be interesting. Definitely very interesting. Yeah, so uh, let's, let's look ahead at that NYCFC game. Uh, it's going to be a close one. It's going to be a good matchup. I think if you're Orlando City, this is not the game that I wanted them to get matched up with, but <laughs> it's still winnable very much. I would say so. Um, at one point during the season, Orlando had the most goals in the league by scoring 40. Uh, Philadelphia ended up with 44, LA with 47. So, like, you know, pretty solidly in third. Uh, or fourth, because Portland is at 46, and Seattle's at 44. Fifth. Oh, geez. Okay. I needed to scroll down some more. Uh, with NYCFC, they scored 37 goals, with a number of them coming over the last four games of the season. A- and so it's almost a good thing and a bad thing that it's a two-week break, because with NYCFC in a very hot form, they get to cool off a little bit by waiting around and training at home. So you, you kind of don't get them in their best form because they haven't played in two weeks when you play them on the 21st. But also, you in, in Orlando, you're coming off a loss, and you have to sit with that loss for two weeks. Which I, I asked Brian Rowe 
after the game like do you like waiting around after a loss like this like do you because some players like they want to get back out there they want to avenge the loss they want to you know they don't want to have that that sickening feeling of of losing in that fashion sitting in their heads for two weeks because then it bogs them down by the time they get to their next game it kind of affects them and he you know he was just like you know it's it's i forget exactly what he said but it was something along the lines of you know we just we just play what's next we kind of have to have a short memory we got to prepare as we prepare normally and you know the 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 usual stuff but you know for orlando's sake they they get to sit with that loss for the next two weeks and hopefully they come out with that kind of fire and intensity to be like we want to avenge that loss and not just be like oh well we we fucked up last time let's not fuck up again yeah, I mean, if there's a positive to this, look at Orlando's last three losses since coming out of the bubble. It was that first game against Miami, and then they rattled off a 12-game unbeaten run. And then they lost um, at that other game at Miami, and then they rattled off another three-game winning streak, playing three of their best games that they have played in a couple of months up to that point. So now you've come off, you finish the season against Nashville, yeah, it probably doesn't help necessarily that you have to wait around and let that stew for a couple weeks. But now they can just move on. You know, now the stakes are much higher, and they are able to have the time to correct any issues that they saw in that game and hit the ground running against NYCFC. I mean, it helps that they're at home. It helps that this is a playoff game, and emotions are going to be amped up higher than normal. But Orlando's response to losses this year have been particularly well and that's you know that alone is enough to think that this team can bounce back without any issues and that's the hope but again like their last two games for nycfc they scored what was it five goals against new york red bulls and then four goals against chicago which Mm -hmm. is nine goals in their last two games and tati castellanos has been like their leading man Mm -hmm. i kind of thought like with a bear out for the season NYC's offense would kind of be a bit depleted, but it turns out next man up mentality for them as well. Tati yeah. Castellanos stepping up and scoring goals. Yeah, I mean, they've still got Maxi Morales and James Sands working the midfield. I mean, they're, they're playing really good soccer right now. They're not probably by far one of the deepest teams in the tur- in this playoffs. And I don't know yep. about their chances of making it long-term, especially when you look at how compact the schedule is kind of going to be for this. But in a one-off scenario where they've had two weeks of rest between matches, the the playing field is pretty even. All you need is your best 11 against their best 11, and that's what this game is going to be about. Yeah, I, th- I don't think you're going to see the best 11 for NYCFC unless you know they get some players back from injury after rest or whatever. Um, I-, I think you'll see a pretty strong lineup for them. I think you'll still see Castellanos, Jesus Medina, Tinnerholm. I was going to say, it's by no means the best 11 that they've had in the last couple of years, especially when you look at the team that they had last year. They, you know, like you said, they've lost Bear. They sold a DP in the middle of the season. Yeah, me treats It's not the strongest NYCFC team, but as far as what they have available to them, um, it's obviously going to be the best thing that um, Ronnie Dahlia can put out there. Right. And it's going to be a good enough squad to compete with Orlando. Yep. I find this very funny. Uh, NYCFC was so good in their last couple games that Tony Rocha scored. No, no knock against Tony Rocha. It's just that he had never scored a 
professional MLS goal. <laughs> Until really? that, yeah. Huh. I never would have guessed that. He scored against Montreal back at the end of October. <laughs> He's come on as as a sub almost every single game this season. And it was only played basically like the last five, ten minutes of games. Back in last year, though, he started a number of games. Interesting that, that both Tony Rocha and Mikey Ambrose scored their first MLS goals this year within like a, a month's span of each other. Interesting. Very interesting. All right. So with, with NYCFC, it's, it's going to be a challenge, but the hope is Orlando is able to play good and not have to worry about how good NYCFC is because they're just so much better. Yeah, I mean, everybody is healthy, and that's what the most important thing is. I mean, when you look at Orlando when they were at their best this year, which was probably during that MLS's back tournament, and I know they they went 12 games unbeaten, but there were a lot of games in there where they got results that they might not have gotten most most years. Um, It was when this team was healthy and when everybody was firing on all cylinders and when Chris Miller was doing his thing and Mauricio Perea was lighting it up and Nani was scoring goals left and right and the defense was stellar and you had Jao Moutinho out there doing his thing. I mean, that was Orlando City at their best and they're pretty close to that right now. Um, This team is, is prepared and this team is more than capable of making a run. And then on top of that, you look at that tournament and then you can say, all right, they have experience as a group, as this exact group, winning high leverage knockout round one-off games where your back is against the wall and losing is not an option. So they are more than capable of doing it, especially when you look at the bracket. They, they play NYCFC, and I think their next game would be against the winner of that Philadelphia game, which in all likelihood, I think most people will expect it to be Philadelphia. It's not an easy path, but it's a path that they have done before and that they can they can hypothetically do again. Time will tell. They've got two weeks to try and figure out how they're going to play, and then it all comes down to one game at a time. As long as they've got Mauricio Pereira out there, you know, they're good to go. The one thing I will mention before we move on, well, actually two things I want to mention before we move on. Brian Rowe will most likely be the goalkeeper. Orlando City. Pedro Galese, he will have finished, I think, his sixth day of quarantine by that point if he comes back right after their World Cup qualifier for Peru. I don't know if MLS would make an exception or how they would do it, but it's it's definitely something. Uh, the fact that Brian Rowe will probably be your starter. I think they decreased the time from like 10 days to 9 days, so I think that that's probably going to be the best you'll see out of it. Right, and that's still not enough for Pedro Galese to play for Orlando unless they call him back early and don't let him play against, I think, Argentina, which, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe they just kind of say, uh, put their hands up and say, all right, you can go back early. We're probably, you know, we're probably going to get sh- shellacked anyways. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But that's the best. Yeah, I mean, that's the best uh, scenario for Orlando to get Galese back in time. Otherwise, it'll be Brian Rowe. Uh, And I wanted to get your thoughts on on Brian Rowe in goal in this key matchup. Well, it's not a bad option. Obviously, he's not the number one option 
that people would want in goal. But I mean, listen, he's a guy that has experience, plenty of experience in the league, plenty of experience playing for Orlando. I don't have a reason to not be, to not have faith in the guy. You know, he's a professional. He's been doing this for a while. As long as the defense backs him up and, you know, we don't have moments of set piece, you know, lackadaisicalness and Orlando comes to do what they need to do, he'll be fine. Yeah, that, that whole set piece thing, the fact that Nashville stored two goals off of headers and just by the by, uh, 12 of, I think, their 25 goals that they scored this season did Nashville were, came on set pieces. So as soon yes. as that, that yes. free kick happened in the 93rd minute, I kind of thought to myself, like, oh, boy, here we go. Yeah. And that's – that is something we have not seen from Orlando this year is letting themselves go in those last dying minutes, you know? Mm-hmm. As good yeah. as they have been you know, but here's early the thing. in games and late in games, it wasn't quite there. But that's the thing. I, I was thinking about it earlier today. I was like, wait, in their four losses this year, like three of them have come from goals in the 90-plus minute. Mm-hmm. Like think about it. Their their first loss against Colorado came in a stoppage time goal. Their second loss against Miami that was not a stoppage time goal. Their third loss against Miami stoppage time goal, or at least very close to it, like eighty fifth mm-hmm. minute, eighty eighth minute, or something. Yeah. And then this most recent loss stoppage time goal. Yeah. There's also know, that that game against the Red Bulls where they clinched the playoff spot that they conceded in stoppage time. As well as the game against Atlanta at a, at Explorer, which they scored in like the 95th minute or 93rd minute as well themselves to tie the game. Yep. Not a good quality you want to have. It's, it's like a histo- but it's like a historically Orlando thing, isn't it? Like go back to 2015. It's been happening ever since. Mm-hmm. And, and it happens. It's, it's not. It's not like uncommon for teams to to concede like that. It just yeah. so happens that Orlando is on the bad end of that more often than not. Right. I mean, historically, Orlando is a team that is the one tying games or winning games late in, in overtime. You know, the the stoppage time killers or whatever. The, the cardiac stoppage cats. time. Yeah, whatever their slogan was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's something that is certainly should be a high priority. And you, when you, like I said, you're in the playoffs. It's do or dime. Both teams' backs are against the wall. There needs to be that that special focus when you get to those last five, 10 minutes and okay, we cannot mess up. Yep. And I will say this, the defense has been good for this team. When it comes to general goals allowed, this team has only let up 50 or 25. Mm -hmm. By no means is that great. It's definitely one of the better teams in the league 25 and 23 games i mean that's almost a goal a game yeah it's impressive considering this team lit in what 75 two years ago uh you mean 2018 yeah yeah they they let in uh, 74 that was the record until 2019 when uh cincinnati broke it mm-hmm. oh. cincinnati has had like the worst first two years in mls <laughs> just by the by like yeah first year they were the worst team this year, they're also the worst team. In a shortened season, they had 16 points in 23 yeah, games. They yeah. minus 24 goal differential. The Fire worst, coach. the worst then, team goal differential <laughs> by a country mile. Like literally, yeah, 
DC United and FC Cincinnati were fighting for the worst team in MLS, and DC United almost made the playoffs on decision day. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good when you fire a coach after one year, and then you hire another coach, and then that guy turns out to be racist like a couple weeks later, and then you got to fire him, and it's not a lot of good things going on, you know, for the dumpster fire that Orlando City was. Cincinnati is not that far behind. No. And then they just released, like, half their players the other day they let they let go of kendall waston and greg garza garza mm-hmm. hadn't like been anything special for them though like since he left atlanta he has not been good yeah he'd be a good yeah. flyer to pick up maybe for orlando i was as, gonna like, say left you know, back I don't, depth yeah that's what because that's what they need they desperately need some depth at fullback and if you can get a guy like that who's willing to take a smaller salary because he was a pretty expensive player wasn't he I think at the time, yes. Yeah. Uh, though I'm not 100% sure now. Mm-hmm. Well, something something to ponder. Yeah, something to ponder. Now, speaking of left backs, I do want to bring up Jean Moutinho. The fact for Orlando is that all their players that are impact players other than Dom Dwyer are off the injury sheet. Uri Rossell hasn't played in almost two months, but he's been training with the team. Um, I can't tell you how many times Oscar has said he's almost there because like two weeks after he was injured, he was almost there, and it's been he's almost there ever since. But also he's been on the injury sheet up until a week and a half ago. So when he says almost there, it, it could mean a day or next year. Uh, and so when... Oscar said Zhao is almost there. There is no definitive timeline for Zhao Moutinho. He did verbal, say he verbal did meme, say, the, the uh, verbal meme. The Nevada election results are almost there, and then uh, almost the Nevada election results. It's just a picture of Yuri Russell. <laughs> oh God! Thank you. Uh, but what I was saying with Zhao is Oscar did say he's out for the regular season, and that he's hoping that he'll be available for the playoffs. But if you're thinking of this logically, Zhao hasn't played since August. Why would you throw him out there to try and play for 90 minutes, having not played a game in almost over two months? Well, the another way to look at it is, is that Oscar gets to see him at practice every day and we don't see anything at practice. Um, I mean, if he puts him out there, it obviously means that he's seeing enough to do it. But is he effective? Is he going to be effective enough, A, for 90 minutes, which I don't think is going to be the case, in which that point, is it worth it? But B, if you're going to put him on the bench, is it worth, you know, the the scenario in which you're bringing him on is going to have to be pretty specific. Either you're up, either you're up, in the game by a couple of goals and you want to get him minutes for the next match, which is very possible or B you need someone in there to score a goal for you or to help you score a goal. Or you're trying to, you know, maybe it's a closer game defensively and Kyle Smith is on tired legs and you want to put in fresher legs and somebody that is, you know, is going to be able to to handle that who is not Kamal Miller. So, but if you're not going to put him in, do you keep him on the bench when somebody else who is healthy and can probably contribute a little bit more can fill that spot? I don't think you, I don't think he should, but 
whatever happens is going to be dependent on what Oscar sees at training. And that's that's the thing. It's not just up to Oscar, by the way. It's his entire coaching staff. Like he mm-hmm. he relies very heavily on the Bazan brothers, and, and and like their their entire coaching staff is very uh, unique in a way because the, it's not just Oscar. Like Oscar's kind of the, the figurehead essentially, but it's not just him and his decisions. It's it's very much a a team decision. So like, you know, even even Luis Muzi has a, a probably a little bit of a say in it. Uh, Cesar Bena has a say in it, and then uh, you have Diego Torres, who I know Oscar likes quite a bit. You know, when he brought him in from Tijuana, all these guys have a say, and you know, it becomes a consensus of what they want to do for the team. Because uh, again, when I ask players about Oscar, specifically Oscar, like what he's done, how he's done. Every player makes sure to bring up the entire coaching staff because they're as much of a part of this success that Oscar and the team is. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So now with that, uh, who knows if we'll see Uri? Who knows if we'll see Zhao? The rest of the players are healthy. Uh, The only player that's going to be missing is most likely Pedro. So you will have at least... 87% 87% of your preferred players available. I think that's fair to say, right? 87%. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to you're going to have the guys you need um minus Golese, but like I said, yeah, we're, this is going to be a lineup that it's going to be full strength. The, the squad rotation has been there, you know. Prea got an extra game of rest off whether that's good or bad, considering he did miss a significant amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but as long as you have, you know, in an ideal world, Joe Moutinho's there and Yuri Rossello's there, and you couple that in with having Pereira back, that's a team that's pretty hard to beat. But they don't have those guys back. At least we don't know that they have those guys back. So we'll see. We'll just have to wait and see until 11.30, 11.15 on Saturday the 21st. Or before that, if Pereira plays his or you know, Pereira plays his hand and tells us who's available. There you go. Uh, last thing I want to mention before we take a stab at predictions for this NYCFC game, Jordan Bender got his first start in MLS, only ever yeah. second appearance, and his first appearance was literally like two minutes tops. Um, what did you make of the kid through the first forty-five minutes against Nashville? I saw a lot of what. I saw from Chris Mueller in his early days and he had a lot of opportunities on the ball and he was doing his best to make some things happen with that and dribbling inside and trying to cut around defenders. But it was also clearly a kid who was playing in his second, his very first MLS start. And there was some shots and some touches some passes that somebody with more experience, more polish probably makes look better. But overall he, he showed a want he showed me that I want to see more of him in the very near future. Yeah. I mean, he, again, he's only 19. Yeah. Plenty of time for him to figure things out. But, you know, if you if you can start to groom him to be someone that maybe steps in for Nani when he is gone, if next year, say, is Nani's last year in Orlando, because obviously it's the third year of his, of his contract. 
if you start to use next year as someone to groom him and maybe you start playing him in that area where you have Mueller on one side, Bender on the other, Pereira in the middle, that could be a pretty a pretty lethal midfield even when losing a guy like Nani. Yeah. So there's right. plenty of promise there. Yeah. And that's not even talking about David Luera, Michael Holiday. Both of those guys are on the injury list for undisclosed reasons, by the way. Alvarado. Yeah, Alvarado. Uh, I mean, who, knew, who, who knows if Alvarado's even going to be here next year? Yeah. He's just loaned until December. <laughs> Which like, you that's would have crazy to imagine. Thing. Like, there's got to be more to it. Here's another thing, and we'll get into this later on, like in in the season, like the off season. But Orlando City has a number of loaned players on this team with the option to buy, and a lot of those guys, they are currently big parts of this team. Rodrigo Schlegel's on loan. Perea, Andres Perea is on loan. Alvarado's on loan. Antonio Carlos is on loan. All four of those guys, I would say, are probably more so Carlos Perea uh, rather than Schlegel and Alvarado are, are big pieces of this team, considering that Perea has played every single game for Orlando this season, and Antonio Carlos is one of the biggest parts of the defense for this team. Uh, Schlegel, definitely a, a promising young piece and has played many imperative minutes for this team. Alvarado, we haven't seen enough of, but they're gonna have to make some decisions at the end of the season. Yeah, of course. So we'll see. All right, Gavin, who's gonna win this game against NYCFC? Is it gonna be Orlando? Is it gonna be NYCFC? I I have the confidence that Orlando is going to pull it off, and I know that that's easy for us to say as biased people but I do think that they I think that they've got it I think that they're going to be able to pull it out they have the experience like I've said winning these higher leverage games this season NYCFC is not as good of a team as they were at the beginning of the year I don't know I, I just think that this team has what it takes to pull off at least this one victory okay Fair enough. I I think Orlando has a a good chance uh, as long as they can play consistently, have their full options uh, on the field. But yeah, I think comparatively speaking, Orlando is going to be a better defensive team than NYCFC has faced over the last couple games. Mm -hmm. So I think that may like, yeah, NYCFC has that recent run of form, but I, I don't think like I wouldn't say Chicago is one of the best defensive teams in the league by any stretch of the imagination. And also, NYC conceded three goals against Chicago. So that should give you a little bit of confidence going forward as well. Yeah, and I think it all comes down to, too, is having Mauricio Pereira on the lineup. Eight, one, and five in the games that he has started this year with 24 goals scored. Or 25 goals scored in right. those and 14 he games. he had eight assists on those goals. Mm-hmm. So he is a critical piece to this lineup. Games that they have not had him, they have looked significantly worse. Just, just look look at October. I mean, just yeah. look at it. Exactly. If he is out there, assuming he is out there and healthy and he's not bothered by any lingering issues, it's going. he is going to be the deciding factor in the game, I believe. Fair enough. Okay. 
So with Orlando City out of the way, we talked about an hour for them. And I hate to not give credit to Orlando Pride, but we got to talk about them as well because the expansion draft is coming up on Thursday. Woo. We love expansion draft. I don't know if you really love it for Orlando here. Yeah, the first of many coming up in the next few years. Yeah. So because Orlando has multiple U.S. national team allocated players, they're only allowed to protect two. And they picked Alex Morgan and Emily Sonnet. That Which... leaves Ali Krieger and Ashlyn Harris unprotected. And I've been having this conversation with people for like the last week. Because people are like, oh my God, what happens if Racing Louisville picks one of them? Like, what are they going to do? And it's like, See, yeah, that's... but do you really want to be that team that does that? Yeah. Orlando has put Louisville in a position where they are basically daring them to take them because you don't want to be the team that upsets the balance of the Woso universe by picking one of these players. And not to mention what is the risk. It seems a lot greater than a reward because say you take someone like Ali Krieger who has played a lot of soccer. What is going to stop her from saying, you know what? I appreciate it, but I love living in Orlando. I love living with my wife. I have a great, side job as a broadcaster for Orlando city that I want to continue. Thanks, but no thanks. I'm just going to retire. You know, like do you risk taking that? And then the same thing with Aston Harris. I don't think she's more inclined to retire. Obviously I don't know what's going on in her head, but she can easily say the same thing as, Hey, you know, I appreciate it, but I love living here and I don't want to ruin that. <laughs> you know? It's either that or just like, that. it's either that or they pick her and they, one of them just goes like, all right, I'm going to go to Europe. Yeah, exactly. Like I think <laughs> I think Ashlyn is would be the most likely to go there. She probably would not be happy about it, but if she right, was, but like you know, imagine being picked. imagine being the team that breaks up a marriage essentially. Yeah, but I mean, would you rather go to Louisville or move to Europe? So I mean, like if she like I said, it's the the risk is a lot greater than the reward. But I don't I mean, if you're going to take either one and have it you know work out for you would probably be Ashlyn because at least there you also have the spine of your you're working on the spine of your team you have somebody who is the fans are going to love and is somebody who's going to be a leader for a brand new group of players Mm -hmm. I think there's just a lot of other options on other teams considering how bad Orlando has been over the last couple years Mm -hmm. I, uh, I I mean I don't know who they would pick if if Louisville would pick somebody for Orlando, because yeah. like if if you if you really look at the the protected and unprotected list, like who if you're Louisville, who is appealing to you? Alana Kennedy. Yeah, I mean one of the one of the Australians maybe. Van Eggman. Didn't one of them say Van Eggman, you said, wasn't coming back? I didn't say anybody was or was not coming back necessarily. That that hasn't been like necessarily decided. Um, Caitlin Ford, if you really wanted to pick up her playing rights, pride legend mm-hmm. Caitlin Ford, who has never played <laughs> a game for them. Uh, yeah. You could pick up Camila. You could pick up Carson Pickett, left back. Tanya Plummer, who is an international but is also a Jamaican national team captain. You could take your shot with, uh, you know, some of the younger players, maybe Brittany Wilson at goalkeeper who had one good game. 
you could try with Shalina Zadorsky. You could try with Cheyenne Shorts. But I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where their head is at. Also, they could even, if they really wanted to go with a veteran presence, they could get Kristen Edmonds. But like, she just got named to the head coaching job at Lake Island. So like, she'd probably be pissed off there because she'd have to move her entire operation to Louisville. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's certainly interesting. Yeah, and Lake Highland pays their coaches pretty well. Anyways, Mark did a interview with with Julia in the Sentinel a couple of days ago, where he explained his whole like reasoning behind everything. I'm just very curious as to see what Louisville's going to do. Also, uh, one one note: Mark Skinner has dyed his hair blonde. <laughs> Saw it the other day. It's very weird. I bet. I've been toying with that idea for the last couple of years. I don't yeah, know. you know, Ju- Julia mentioned, it, Julia said, like, you should dye your hair blonde. I'm like, well. Now you could maybe go for, like, blonde highlights in a way. Yeah, no, like, the way the way we were, like, talking about it, and she was like, well, maybe, like, a dirty blonde, like, kind of, like, not just, like, straight up to bleach your hair kind of thing. Yeah, but, like, I was going to say, like, a dirty blonde. I think you're a little too pale to just go straight up blonde. It would not look good. It wouldn't blend in well with you. I was toying with the idea for like a minute and then I'm like, yeah, you know, probably not. Yeah. You got like a little spray tan. I've never done anything like that bold with my hair. Yeah. I've played with the idea of growing mine out because like I've never really had long hair and just letting it see what happens. Kind of going like with what Brad's got, but we'll see. Yeah. I, I don't know about that. Anyways, uh, before we lose complete track of what we're talking about, the last thing I wanted to mention is that Exploria Stadium is going to be hosting the CONCACAF Champions League games, all of them being closed door to fans. Uh, don't know about media just yet, but for, I, what is it? I think it's a quarterfinal, semifinals, and final is there going to be hosting? Yeah. Yeah, all of the remaining games, so that's which are currently seven in games. the quarterfinals. Right, so that's starting December 15th and 16th. We're at the quarterfinals, semifinals, December nineteenth, final, December twenty second. Just uh, warming they're, the they're, place up for when Orlando wins MLS Cup and gets there next year. Right. I, I will mention this though: three of the four MLS teams have played already in the quarterfinals. Club America's up three nothing on Atlanta. I don't expect that to be happening. Like Atlanta's not coming back from that, uh, especially the way they've been playing this year. Olympia is up 2-1 on Montreal. Tigres is up 1-0 on NYCFC. And LAFC and Cruz Azul, they haven't played yet, but they're only going to play a single leg. So it's a yeah, one how does, game. How does that work when you are playing one level because they didn't play a game, but the other ones still have to stand on their current results? Extenuating circumstances. Yes. Don't know what to tell you. Other than that, we'll see. There's a chance of at least, I would say, two MLS teams making it. I would say NYCFC and LAFC have probably the best chances. Yeah. If we're uh, allowed to go there as media, you will probably hear from us from the stadium. Soccer, year-round. Possibly. Or just about. (laughs) And with that, I think we call it a day. Hopefully, you, you have stuck around and, and listened to the entire thing. I know we've been gone for almost a month. Or, well, we have 
it's been over a month. But we'll try and keep this going again, even into the offseason. We've got some plans for some interviews and some stories to tell throughout the offseason. And, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to it. But until then, Orlando City plays in the playoffs. Don't get tired of saying that. Orlando City plays in the playoffs. Gavin, any final thoughts? Orlando City is playing in the playoffs. I like that. All right. So for Gavin Eubank, I'm Austin David. Thanks very much for listening to another edition of the Orlando Soccer Show. We're celebrating three years since our name changed the Orlando Soccer Show, by the way. And I believe this is our fifth season of covering the team from the uh, fourth official slash Orlando Soccer Show podcast side of things. So uh, thanks for sticking around if you've been around that long. Yeah, if you want to get us something for this anniversary, we do enjoy Chili's gift cards. So go ahead and send those our way. Speak for yourself. What's wrong with Chili's? Nothing's wrong with Chili's. It's just like... There there you go. There you go. Whatever. I could go into a whole (laughs) argument about what is better than Chili's, but until... Well, well, we'll see you later. Off-season podcast. We're gonna, we're gonna, we'll, we'll see you later. Thanks for tuning in. Bye, bye.